It is my great privilege and honor to be sharing the message with you, with you here today. My title for my sermon is only two words, six letters, and yet these two words, these six letters shape our entire life. My title is Even If. Even If. This sermon, this topic is very dear to my heart. Back in 2018, my grandmother was going through chemotherapy and radiation for cancer. Now, this was not her first battle with cancer. She'd actually had her first battle when I was 12 years old. And the first time had been a very hard journey, but the second time was much harder. Me and my aunt, after her first treatment had started, we actually were both off at kids' camp about the week or two after her first treatment. And we get a call that she's not doing very well, and, but we have all these kids that we're responsible for, so we continue to go through the week. By the end of the week, she's in the hospital, and they tell her, you know, if you'd waited one more day to come in, you would have died. And from there, just as she continues to go through treatments, it continues to get worse and worse. And it was not a very easy journey. We're watching her suffer and struggle. And during this time, I first heard the song, Even If, by Mercy Me. The lyrics of the song go like this. It says, I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. I know the sorrow. I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. Those words so ministered to me in that time because I did not know what would happen with my grandmother. And I faced the question, did I trust God even if she passed away? Even if the person I love the most in the entire world was no longer here, would I still rely on God? Even if. As she got done with chemotherapy and radiation, you know, many of us, we, we breathed a sigh of relief. You know, this nightmare was over, but cancer came back again, and then it came back again, and it just continued over the next six months to keep coming back. The doctors kept running more and more out of options. Throughout that time, I just listened to the song, even if, almost on repeat, just saying, God, I trust you. I don't understand this season of life, but I still trust you. My grandmother did end up passing away from the cancer, but what I can say is she lived her entire life with this even if mindset. Her mindset and what she said throughout it all was, either way I win. If I die, I get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. If I live longer, I get to be here with you. That was her mindset. That's the way she approached life, even if. I believe there is something very powerful about this even if mindset. Even if my world's falling apart, I'll trust God. Even if I don't understand, I will still follow you. Even if it gets hard, I won't give up. Even if no one else follows Jesus, I'll follow him. Too often, though, our relationship with God, we have a spiritual disclaimer statement on it. When you buy a product or sign an agreement, there's typically some disclaimer statements. These disclaimer statements, they tell you, you know, when the agreement applies, when it doesn't apply. It has all the loopholes, all the fine print. A few months ago, I dropped my laptop. It was a horrible moment in my life. I had a carrying case. It's a $1,000 laptop. It was a very nice one that I had. Had a carrying case. I thought it was closed. I swung that thing up over my shoulder, started to walk out my office door. And then I, there was that agonizing moment when I realized this case is not closed. I felt the lid fall open and I saw that laptop crash into the ground. You get that sickening feeling in your stomach. I bent down and I, like, 
as I started to pick up the laptop, I saw all the scattered pieces, and I'm like, yeah, we're in trouble. This isn't going to be fun. I had a warranty, though. But turns out there was a lot of fine print and disclaimers on that warranty. $500 later, in a lot of frustration, I learned you needed accidental insurance on your electronics. Too often in life, there's some fine print. There's some disclaimers. I think sometimes we have disclaimers in our relationship with God. I'll follow you, God. I'll do what you say, except I won't do this. Or except, well, in this situation, God, I'm not so sure about following you. God asks us to do something that stretches our faith. Life gets difficult, and suddenly we become less certain about following God no matter what. Do we have disclaimers on our relationship with God? Or are we willing to follow God no matter what, even if? Do we have an even if dedication to God? The even if mindset. This mindset's changed the world over and over again, being willing to push forward even if there's opposition, pain, or heartache. It's been the catalyst for some of history's greatest events. Spiritually, this mindset cultivates our faith in God as we trust Him even in the hard times. The power of this even if mindset of pushing forward in spite of hardship can be seen in many different contexts. The main thing I want you to realize is that even if mindset, I'm talking about it positions you to be used by God in greater ways. I love this great country we live in. When we were fighting for our independence from Great Britain, those fighting, they had an even if mindset. In the winter of 1777 through 78, the American colonial army <laughs> was encamped at Valley Forge. Now they didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough equipment. Some of these soldiers are walking around leaving bloody footprints in the snow because they don't have shoes. The British have occupied Philadelphia, the birthplace of freedom, where the First Continental Congress happened, where the Declaration of Independence was. The situation is looking pretty hopeless. And yet this small army says, even if, they're not going to give up. Even if they're freezing in a small camp, without proper equipment, even if they're starving, even if they only have 11 to 12,000 men, and even if 15% of those men die in one winter, they aren't going to give up. There is something powerful about coming to that moment in our life where we say, even if no matter what, I'm going to do what is right, I'm going to follow God, I'm going to trust Him with everything inside me. All of us run into some moments in life where we have to decide, will we say, even if? Life involves challenges. We can either let those challenges hold us back or we can push forward in faith. I love inspirational stories. I love the stories of how God equips us and equip people to overcome what they're facing. Because these stories tell of someone deciding to say, even if, even if it hurts, even if it's hard, even if it's scary, even if the future is unsure, even if there's obstacles that have to rise above, even if fill in the blanket for your own life. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to back down. The Bible from cover to cover is the story of what God can do in a person's life when they say, even if. See, even if mine is basically saying, I will not let the things around me, people, circumstances, situations, keep me from achieving what I'm called by God to do. 
There's a particular story in the Bible that illustrates this point very well. After the Babylonians have invaded Judah in 605 BC, they've taken with them some of the young men from Judah and take them back to the capital of Babylon. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's over this massive sprawling empire of Babylon. And he decides he is going to make a gold idol, force everyone to bow down and worship it. A little historical background here. There's actually been a rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar in the 10th year of his reign. Some Bible scholars think that led Nebuchadnezzar to make this giant idol. Having all the rulers, all the leaders and important people bow down to this idol, it was a loyalty test, basically. Nebuchadnezzar says, bow down or else, and well, they have to prove their loyalty to him by bowing down. But there's three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young Hebrews from Judah. They believe in the one true God. And this idea of bowing down to an idol, they're like, I cannot do that. It's not right. Even if it means being persecuted, even if it means being killed, I cannot bow down. We're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials. Anyone who was anybody is there. To come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials come and they stand before the statue Nebuchadnezzar set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races, all nations, all languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, that sounds kind of intense. Bow down or die in the fire. I have to imagine it must have felt pretty awkward for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because the musical instruments start playing, everyone else bows down, and there's just the three of them standing. Verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? He's in disbelief. Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up. I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. When I originally read this story and prepared for this sermon, I asked myself this question, why did they include the words, but even if God doesn't, we're still not going to bow down? And the answer I came to was their obedience to God, their faith in God was not dependent upon a positive outcome. Their trust was unconditional. I'll be the first one to admit that's tough. An unconditional trust in God. 
to obey God, to trust him, even if we don't get the answer we want, even if we don't get the miracle, to trust God even if we lose our job, even if the marriage falls apart because the other person isn't willing to work at it, even if that child or grandchild you've been praying for for years still hasn't repented, even though you've been praying for years for him. Sometimes we don't understand God's will or his plan. And we are left with uncertainty inside our heart. I've used this example a number of times because it is the best way I've found to explain the unexplainable. In our life, we're like a tiny, tiny ant on the side of a massive building. All we see is what's right in front of us. We can't see the big picture. We can't see it all. God does. He sees the whole building. He sees how all the pieces come together and join together. God sees the big picture. He sees how it's all going to turn out. But so often our view gets distorted because all we can see is what's right here. So we become confused. We become uncertain because we're not for sure what God's plan is, what he's even doing because we cannot see it. The only way we see God's plan is when we don't give up, but instead we press forward even when we don't understand. I have three points today. Number one, we need an even if faith. We need a faith in God even if the worst happens, even if life gets crazy, we're going to have faith in Jesus. These three Hebrews, they had an even if faith. Their trust in God was not based upon whether things went the way they wanted. Their faith and trust in God was just in him. Even if things went a totally different direction, they were still going to trust in God. Imagine how they must have felt when Nebuchadnezzar ordered them thrown into the fire. Imagine the swirling thoughts in their mind as they looked down into the fiery furnace. And yet they still had faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes the evidence around us looks pretty hopeless. In the natural, things can look impossible. Our dreams can look far beyond our reach. The bills can seem much larger than our bank account. The struggle might seem much longer than your endurance, but faith says it doesn't matter how things look. Even if everything that could possibly go wrong happens, Jesus Christ is still stronger, so I still have hope. And even if faith it absorbs the hardest attacks, it endures the toughest moments of life. Why? Because it's the faith not based upon seeing progress or evidence of victory. It's a faith simply based upon Jesus Christ. His promise, his love, his faithfulness. The simple truth is if everything possible goes wrong, happens, God is still in control. Your life is still safe in his hands. Your purpose is still secure and it will come to pass and be accomplished and God's plan for your life is still going to happen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for good, not for failure, to give you hope in the future. God, he has the plan in mind. He knows where he's taking you. We serve a God who can overcome all the what-ifs and all the even-ifs. And because of that, we are more than conquerors through him. Even if there's a mountain or in our path, we serve a God who moves mountains. If we don't have the resources, we serve a God who has the resources. If we don't have the wisdom... God says, ask me, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you what you need. Even if we feel unqualified and unable, we serve a God who can equip us. We need an even if faith in God. How many of you know the 
song, It Is Well With My Soul. There's a rather interesting story behind the creation of that song. Horatio Spafford was the man who wrote it. He was a lawyer. He lost his son to sickness, and then in the Chicago fire of 1871, he lost a large amount of his wealth. He had a lot of real estate. Several years later, he and his family, they decide they're going to go on a trip to Europe. Unexpected business delays Horatio. He stays behind. He sends his wife and four daughters on. The ship that his wife and four daughters are on ends up in a shipwreck. And he gets a telegram from his wife saying, saved alone. All four of his daughters have died. He races to be at his wife's side. He books the ship. He starts across the Atlantic Ocean. And as he's on this voyage, the route that they're taking, it really ends up being basically the same route as the ship that got shipwrecked. And so there comes a moment where he's approaching the place where the shipwreck happened, where his daughters you know, died. And the captain of the ship, knowing the situation, tells Horatio, you know, this is basically the general area. And so Horatio, as he kind of has a moment of grief and mourning over the situation, it is in this moment that he then writes the song, It Is Well With My Soul. The song says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever is happening in my life, thou hast taught me to know it is well, it is well with my soul. Even if faith. Our faith cannot be dependent upon a clear sky or an easy road because guess what? That doesn't always happen. We cannot serve God faithfully if our faith is only de- is dependent upon things going well. I believe we learn the most about God when we're in the middle of the fire. And even if faith says it does not matter if God does things the way I want him to, or if we choose a different path for my life, I will still believe. These three Hebrews had faith even as God allowed them to be thrown into the fire. Now, admittedly, I think in their mind, they thought God was going to work it out a different way. They thought maybe, you know, the king's mind would get changed or something miraculous would happen before the fire, but that doesn't happen. And so now they're looking down into the fire as the guards throw them in. But something interesting happens. We're going to go back to the story, verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnace be heated seven times hotter than normal. He was going to make their death extra quick. He ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, their robes, other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. <laughs> the flames killed the soldiers, but it couldn't even touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the power of the God we serve. Verse 24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar, he jumped up in amazement. He exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and didn't we throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. But look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. The King James Version says, looks like the son of God. Jesus is with you in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. He couldn't get all the way there. It was too hot. But the people in the furnace aren't being injured because God's with them. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stepped out of the fire. And the high officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors crowded around them and saw the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. I've been around enough campfires to know all these officials and the king and all them, they were close to the fire, they smell of smoke. But the people who were in the fire don't smell of smoke because, <laughs> because God was with them. That's the power of God. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. So many times we want God to deliver us from the fire, from the struggle, from going through a rough moment. Maybe God wants to just be with you in the fire. Maybe God wants to shock some people because in their mind of other people, you're supposed to be knocked down. It's over for you. You're supposed to be defeated, destroyed. All natural circumstances say it's over, but somehow in the fire, what you're in the middle of, it doesn't burn you. It doesn't destroy you. And even if faith survives the flames in a fire. See, sometimes we need to go through the fire to reach some people for Jesus that wouldn't listen to us otherwise. We go through something. They've gone through something similar, but they see that Jesus is with us. They see the difference he's made in our life. Yeah, they've gone through something similar, but they didn't have the same peace as we had when we went through it. They didn't have Jesus walking with them. They didn't have his strength, his peace. And they're like, I want that now. You went through it, but you came through it differently than I did. Now I want what you have. God gives us a testimony through the fire. Number two, an even if hope. We need an even if hope. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they got thrown into the fire, they had an even if hope. Honestly, then it wasn't even scary because they knew Jesus was with them. They knew God was with them. Even if they died, they died obeying God. We have the promise from Jesus Christ, as sons and daughters of God, we have eternal life. Amen. Our death, it's not an event, it's just simply a moment, a twinkling of an eye. Just that second between here and between heaven. We haven't even if hope. If we die, there's hope because we get to be with Jesus. If we struggle, we have the hope of a testimony. If we fall, there's hope for repentance because Jesus is there to help us. If we feel like we're drowning in over our heads, just like Jesus reached out and helped Peter, Jesus is going to reach out and he's going to grab you and pick you back up again. Even if life took a drastic turn for the worse, it's okay because we have and even if hope. We aren't alone. Matthew 6, 33-34 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God. When we stay focused on serving him, he provides. Our God, he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. We have hope no matter what. Number three, we need an even if passion. An even if passion. When Nebuchadnezzar told everyone to bow down to the golden idol, almost everyone did as they were told. But there was a passion for God inside these three individuals that would not allow them to bow down. There was something inside that said, we can't do that. We believe in God. We're not going to betray that. 
We need a passion for God that will cause us to not bow down. We live in a culture where many sins are becoming more acceptable. We've watched, or I've watched the spiritual and moral decay of America, you have as well. I see more and more people lost, hurting in sin. We must have a passion for souls so strong we'll spend the time in prayer. We'll spend the time in God's word so we can make a difference. We need a passion inside us like the disciples had. <laughs> they could have had a lot easier life. You read the book of Acts, they got persecuted, beheaded, crucified, shipwrecked, all this stuff because they wouldn't bow down. They had a passion inside them. They wouldn't surrender to the sinful world they lived in. Even if it meant being persecuted, even if it meant being made fun of, even if the journey wasn't easy, they were going to serve God with all their heart. All Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do to avoid the fire was bow down. But they said, we will not do it. There's a passion inside us that will not let us do that. Do we have a passion inside us for God? That even if it's hard or unpopular, we will stand for what the Bible says. We will proclaim the hope and the love of Jesus loudly for all to hear. Our world needs us to have an even if passion. We must not bow down to fear, sin, or compromise. We're the church. We're the light of the world. We're showing others how to find hope in Jesus. Our prayers, our supplication, our example is the only hope this world has to find Jesus, to find healing, to find hope. If we don't show it to him, who will? So we got to have the passion to live every single day wholeheartedly for God. Even if it's hard, even if there's opposition, even if we will still follow Jesus and we will still pray for our land. We'll spiritually fight for our families. For every family member that's not saved, we will intercede for them because we believe they need Jesus. We'll fight for our communities. We'll pray for them so the power of God can impact our community. We will intercede. We'll have a passion that causes us to intercede for our nation. See, our prayers, our example, our footsteps will lead future generations of Christians in standing for their faith. That's why I'm passionate about student ministry. I want to equip another generation to serve Jesus. Having an even if passion will cause the power of God to flow through our life. We need an even if passion. In closing, our Christian heritage is built upon men and women who said, even if. Every one of us in this room, we can point to somebody and say, that person, <laughs> that person prayed for me. They interceded for me. They invited me to church. I'm here. I'm saved because of what they did, because they helped bring me to that point of salvation. They helped get me in God's presence. They prayed for me. Somebody made sacrifices to help you reach that moment of salvation. Even if faith, even if hope, even if passion, it equips us to serve God in powerful ways. When we believe in God's goodness and his love enough to say, even if all still follow, that's when we encounter and experience the greatest things because that type of faith, that type of hope, and that type of passion unlocks a deeper and more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. My question today is, do we have disclaimers on our walk with God? Is there fine print where we only follow God under certain circumstances or do we have an even if devotion? Are we going to follow God no matter what? You could please bow your heads and close your eyes today. I have two simple questions. First, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? 
Simple reality is we will face struggles. We'll go through the fires of life. But if you have Jesus as your savior, you're not alone. He'll walk through the fire with you. He'll help you. He'll give you strength. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. I want to follow you. Come into my heart. If you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus as your savior, I just want you to raise your hand. If that's you here today, you want to make that decision to serve Jesus, to follow him. All right. And my second question is this. Are there disclaimers to your faith and obedience to God? Have you surrendered to God no matter what? Even if the worst happens, your faith in God will remain. Jesus loves you. He wants to be there for you. There's no disclaimers or fine print on God's provision. He will provide for you. He will have your back. All he asks is complete surrender and dedication. No loopholes, no disclaimers. Just the faith that says, even if, God, I'm yours, I'm not going to back down. You need God to help you have this even if mindset in your relationship with him. In some other area of your life, I just want you to raise your hand in this moment, and I'm going to pray with you. Hands are going up all over the place. Okay. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I pray, Lord God, that in our life, you would help us to have this even if mindset, Lord. Even if it's hard, even if there's some struggles, we're going to choose to serve you, to follow you, to do what is right, and to stand for you, to stand for what you've called us to do. I pray for each person in this room that you help them, Lord God, as they live each day following you. You would help them to have no disclaimers on their faith, but a faith that no matter what keeps pushing them forward and leading them closer to you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for coming here. Those in the house or those online, thank you for your participation today. We love you and God bless.